Lord, we ask that today we would know and experience that love. God, and that we would be able to rest in that love. Just as you've spoken to us through these songs, God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, go ahead and have a seat. If you are a guest with us, we are really, really glad that you are here today. By the way, it's Baptism Sunday. Okay, uh, so true story. I did that in first service and said maybe I didn't give like enough oomph that I wanted people to be excited. So I was like, who's excited that it's Baptism Sunday? And it was just like, and I was like, you people better get more excited than it's bad. So, uh, man, I, I tell you why I love Baptism Sunday. It is a wonderful thing and a wonderful reminder of the mission of our church, and it's a reminder of the gospel. It's a reminder of why we do what we do to come to this place and celebrate new life in Christ. So I'm really excited to be able to observe baptism. We're going to do that uh, towards the end of our time together uh, after our message. But if you have a copy of God's Word now, let's go to Luke chapter 12 is where we're hanging out. Luke chapter 12, we're really getting to the heart of the matter in a series that we are calling The Struggle is Real. The struggle is real. And here in Luke's gospel, we've seen Jesus addressing some of the major issues in our lives that cause us to be anxious, fearful, or consumed with worry. So after tackling the issues of people-pleasing, and last week we talked about financial stress, today we're going to see Jesus really getting to the heart of our anxiety issues. And where we're, before we get where we're going today, I want to just make something abundantly clear from the very beginning. Jesus does not discredit our struggle with anxiety. Jesus does not discredit or disregard our struggle with anxiety. In fact, just this week, we had uh, in our world today a YouTube-turned-boxer, self-made celebrity. I wish I could go back 50 years and tell my grandpa that description, right? That makes no sense, does it? Uh, but there was this reality kind of star who made comments on social media essentially saying that anxiety is just something in your head that you make up yourself. Anxiety is just something that you have made up in your head. Of course, Social media chewed him up and spit him out as they should have, but the reality is there are many people in our culture who feel the same way, and unfortunately, many people within the church who disregard the issues around anxiety and worry. In fact, they even would use guilt and shame to challenge people who are dealing with those issues. But again, I want to say very clearly, Jesus does not disregard anxiety. We said it a few weeks ago, but the fact that he even addresses these issues multiple times in the Gospels right there tells us uh, that the struggle is indeed real. And if you go all the way back to Luke chapter 1 with me, I'm sure you all remember that a year and a half ago when we studied Luke 1 together. Yeah, you do. I know. I, you don't even have to say anything. Uh, we had this line where Luke says, here's why I'm writing this letter so that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So even the early church needed something to help them have certainty. They had struggles. They were thinking through this, and God in his wisdom, his mercy, and his grace gave them Luke, and not only did he give them Luke, he gave us Luke. And passages like this that address these issues of anxiety, worry, and fear. So I also want to take a moment before we get too far into this to make this extremely clear. There is nothing wrong with seeking help for severe anxiety. 
There is an anxiety that is beyond this baseline of worry and fear and anxiety that we're talking about here in the text. And God has gifted counselors and therapists to be able to help us deal with anxiety disorders. So this message is in no way a call for us to forsake getting treatment or help if you need it. But the good news today is that we have a God who loves us and cares for us and stands ready to help us deal with these struggles. This text is going to offer us today a radical alternative to the world's uh, age of fear that you and I live in. Worry is a reality in our culture. Like if you ask anybody how they're doing, we've always said this, what? Busy. Like if I said, hey, how you doing? Busy is like our, always like our default answer. But worry really is the underlying thought, even in that word busy, isn't it? We have so many things going on in our hearts and minds, but in a world where the lifestyle of worry has become all too common, Jesus invites us to change our lives. So let's get to the text. We'll see what the Lord has for us here in Luke's gospel, chapter 12, starting in verse 22. The word of God says this, And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we read your word, as we think through it together, I pray that you would just make this text abundantly clear to us. Help us to see your truth and help us to be able to respond to it. Lord, thank you for caring about us. Thank you for your love. Lord, that we can uh, hear you say to us that the, the birds are taken care of, the grass is taken care of. How much more precious are we to you? Thank you for that wonderful gift. May we hear it, respond to it, and know how to live for you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we come to what is certainly a familiar passage if you have a church background, if not this passage, the parallel passage with it in Matthew chapter 6, where in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about this same issue of worry and anxiety. And I just have to tell you as a pastor, anytime you come to a familiar passage, it's really difficult because I know that some of you are straight up thinking like, I've heard this passage preached a billion times. So some of you are like, what's going to be his spin on that? How's he going to... And I'm just going to tell you what I told you a few weeks ago. I've told you that I struggle with worry and anxiety a little bit. So the irony of all ironies is that earlier this week, I was very worried about how to preach a creative sermon about not worrying, okay? So I tell you that just to say that, that I need this. And I think that if you're honest today, you would agree that you need it too. 
even if you know this, even because you know this, we still need this truth and we need these reminders today. So into the familiar we go as Jesus invites us to live in a radically countercultural way. He starts with a very clear command here in verse 22, and the command is do not be anxious. Specifically, when it comes to the most basic needs in our lives, like food and clothing, he says, do not be anxious. Now, there's something that we miss in the translation process that I want to make sure we grasp today. If this were literally translated from the original Greek text, that phrase, do not be anxious, would literally say, stop being anxious. So what does that tell us? That tells us, again, that Jesus knows that anxiety and worry are part of the human life that all of us deal with this. It's not like, hey, if you guys are ever anxious sometimes, stop it. No, it's like, hey, we all deal with this, yet the command is clear, do not be anxious. Why are we not to worry? Jesus answers that question in verse 23. This is because life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. So we've said this throughout this series that life is more than these things that we tend to elevate above God himself. Life is more than pleasing people. Life is more than money and possessions. That's literally what Jesus said last week. And now today we see that life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. And we're going to think through this today because we keep coming back to this idea that it's really easy for us to get things out of order in our lives. We assign way too much value to the things of this world, this temporary kingdom, Instead of focusing on Jesus and his kingdom, and when we do that, it's no wonder that our lives get really out of whack. Jesus brilliantly calls us back to the truth with these awesome illustrations. Jesus says, what about the birds? They don't work. They don't have a barn to keep their food in, but God takes care of them. What about the flowers? They don't work, but God takes care of them. Even the kings of the earth aren't taken care of in the same way they are. They're not as beautiful as they are. Now, let me just catch some of you before you go off the deep end here, because there's some people right now who are like, that's right, I'm just going to trust in the Lord, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to, you know, abandon my responsibilities, I'm just trusting in the Lord, y'all, that's all I'm doing. Like, don't, don't do that, okay? You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, cast your cares upon the Lord. Some of you are like, yes and amen, and like, just like, just run. But it doesn't say anything. I don't know why I'm saying that, I just did. I was just, Nathaniel was feeling it today, so I'm just trying to, you know... <laughs> Like, you come play the piano, let's do this, all right? Uh, no. But some of us cast not only our cares upon the Lord, but we tend to cast our responsibilities on the Lord. The Bible doesn't really tell us to do that. In fact, the Bible says if you want to eat, then you probably need to work. The Bible says that you need to be a good steward of the things he's given us, whether it's finances, opportunities, all those things he's given us. But the issue, again, is that we elevate these things to a place they were never meant to be. When food, clothing, money, people-pleasing, all of the things of this world begin to drive our lives, then listen, you and I at that point become a people of worry, fear, and anxiety. And here in Luke 12, Jesus is trying to expose the foolishness of that way of life. So this isn't really the main point of this passage today, but I wanted to make a slide that said it anyways. You ready for this? Worry is dumb. (laughs) Worry is dumb. And Jesus doesn't say it that plainly, but he basically says that. Like, look at the text at verse 25. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So basically, hey, all that worrying you're doing, how's it working out for you? 
Has it fixed the situation? Has it done anything to move the ball down the field? No. Think about this with me for a second. The things that we tend to worry about in our lives are things that we can't do anything about. And I will toss and turn all night when there's not a darn thing I can do about it. And Jesus says, that's ridiculous. Why are we doing that? All these things that are out of control, why are you worrying about those as if you could control them? And I love verse 26. I think this one gets lost sometimes. If you're not able to do as small a thing as that, of by fixing things to add to your life, why are you anxious about the rest? Like Jesus again says like, okay, so you can't fix this. So why are you trying to fix everything else? You can't do it. It's foolish for us to worry. It's foolish of us to be anxious. History shows that this is true time and time again, yet if you're like me, we just go right back to it. But this is why I'm convinced that our worrying, dumb as though it may be, I'm convinced today, though, that our worry is actually a gift. That's why today's message is ironically titled, The Gift of Worry. Because here in this passage, I think Jesus is going to give us the antidote to worry and anxiety. But here's the thing. I don't think we know that we need the antidote till we know we have the problem, right? So I want us to, to just really get in and think about what this problem is. And I think God allows worry and fear to come into our life kind of like an alarm system. When we're relying on ourselves, when we're relying on our own abilities and our own strength, God allows worry and fear to come storming in. Now listen to me, if you're in that place today, if you are full of worry and fear and anxiety, God wants you to know that there is a better way. Your anxiety, your stress, your worry, all of these things are really a sign that you have misplaced trust and that you have misplaced your faith in things that were never meant to carry your faith, that you have elevated the things of the world over the things of God. That sounds pretty harsh. Like some of you are like, this is a great message about worry and fear. And now I just said that you're worried about the world instead of Jesus. Don't like that as much, do we? But this is the reality. It's what Jesus tells us. Look at verse 29. It says, don't seek all of that stuff. Why? Verse 30. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. This is a convicting verse because Jesus is just saying, you're chasing the same things as the rest of the world. Money, success, popularity, attention, the American dream, whatever that is, we're seeking all of these things, trying to find meaning, contentment, hope, and life in these things. But here we are, weary, broken, beaten down, burnt out, exhausted. Jesus says, there's a better way. There's a better way. So what is the antidote to anxiety? Jesus is very clear in this text. The first is this. He says, seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. In Matthew 6, 33, the parallel verse of this, it says, seek first the kingdom. So this is a simple yet revolutionary call for God's people. Rather than chasing all the things of the world, what the world says we need, what media tells us we need, what Americans call success, Instead, we're called to seek first the kingdom of God. It's a simple yet radical call, isn't it? To reorient our lives completely around Jesus. Our lives are not our own, but rather we have been bought with the price. And because we've been bought with the price, the call is to surrender everything we are to Jesus. Everything in our lives becomes about Jesus and his kingdom. We're a new people living for a new king. Does this describe your walk with the Lord today? Am I talking about you? Am I talking about what it looks like for you to follow Jesus? 
Is Jesus really the king of your life? See, this sounds so simple. Like when I said seek the kingdom, y'all were like, this guy went to seminary, cool. We know that, right? Like none of you are like, oh wow, I've never thought of that before. This is Christianity 101. Yet if we're honest, our lives don't reflect this principle. When you look at our lives, it's hard to tell which kingdom we're actually seeking. Are we seeking the kingdom of God or are we seeking the kingdom of this world? Verses 33 and 34 warn us that if we're not careful, we can literally waste our lives. He says not to store up treasures on earth, all that's going to go away, but instead we're called to live for eternity. But this is why this ought to be a pretty challenging word for us today. Our worries, our fears, our work, our efforts, all of the things that we strive for in our lives tend to revolve around things that will not matter in 100 years. I've said this to you before, but our most prized possessions today are the fodder of the next generation's garage sales. And the truth is, it probably ain't going to sell and they're going to have to like, you know, just take it to the dumpster. The things that we assign so much value do not really matter. Listen to me, your job will not matter in 100 years. Statistically speaking, this church will not be here in 100 years. All these things that we are consumed with and that we think about in a few hundred years aren't even going to be here. So Jesus says, stop living for temporary things. But it's so easy for us to get consumed with the here and now. Let me say it this way. I think that we tend to live for the world and think about eternity most of the time. That's our default setting. Here's what I mean by that. We live for the world. We don't really think about eternity. We don't think about the things of God that often. But I'll tell you, there are moments in life where we definitely do. You know when those moments usually are? When there's a casket up here. I've been a pastor long enough to see how that happens. It has a way of bringing all of us into this moment where we're like, that's going to be me one day. But can I just tell you the reality of life? While we always miss loved ones who've gone on to be with the Lord, life goes on pretty quick, doesn't it? A few days later, you're not, you may be thinking of that person, but you're not thinking about eternity anymore. Our world moves on really quick. I told the first service, if I were to drop dead right now, it'd be pretty weird for all of you, right? But the reality is you'd put me in the ground, come back to the church, eat some potato salad, have a search team together by the end of the month. That's just reality, y'all. That's how it works. So we think about eternity in some moments, but then we move past it. But here's what Jesus is inviting us to do. And this is a radical shift in our lives if we think about it. Rather than living for the world and thinking about eternity, Jesus invites us to live for eternity. And when we live for eternity, it makes us think about the way that we interact in this world. Do you see the difference there? When we're living for eternity and we have our lives in the right order, we start with eternity and the kingdom of God in mind, it changes the way you think about everything. So your family is going to be gone in a hundred years, but guess what? When your family is a kingdom family, it's having impact that goes way beyond your family lineage. So our families become kingdom families. Our job is different because it's a kingdom job. Our money is different because it's kingdom money. Our church is different because it's a kingdom church. 
And the good news is that while all these things are going to be gone in the hundred years, the kingdom of God will go on and on and on and on, and it will have no end. So the question is, what are you living your life for today? Are you living your life consumed with the temporary things and every now and then thinking about eternity? Or are you living for eternity and letting that shape every other part of your life? Here's the cool promise of this. When we flip our lives around, when we stop living for the world and start living for eternity and start living for Jesus and his kingdom, the promise is clear. He's going to provide for us. So stop worrying, first of all, by seeking his kingdom. Secondly, we see a call to trust in God's provision. To trust in God's provision. When we're living for his kingdom, when our lives are surrendered to him, we can trust that he is going to provide exactly what it is that we need. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to be the one who provides in our lives. So when we start to worry, we have to remind ourselves that King Jesus is our provider. And that he's a good God and he loves us. And that verse 32 says, he desires to give us the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God, the text says. Listen to this, y'all. Sons and daughters of the king are never forgotten. Sons and daughters of the king are never forgotten. When the alarm starts to go off in your head and your heart, when anxiety, stress, and fear start to take over in your life, the call is to remember your king. Remember Jesus. Remember the treasure. The treasure is Jesus. Money may be tight. You may have physical needs that need to be provided for. Life may not be going like you thought it would, but the good news is, in a world of constant change and struggle, one thing remains. Jesus is with us. And if he is your king, then King Jesus has not forgotten you and King Jesus will provide for you. And Jesus is better than all of that. Jesus is better than all the money in the world. Jesus is better than the best retirement you could ever have. Jesus is better than the best job. Jesus is better than the best house. Jesus is better than anything on this side of eternity. Do you believe that today? And here's the thing. Here's the real reason we should have no worries in this world. Because Jesus Christ has already taken care of the greatest need that you and I have or will ever have. That was our need for salvation. So you and I were on a collision course with an eternity in hell separated from the God who loves us. We were going our own way, living in sin, but God loved us enough that he sent Jesus to come make a way for us to be right with him. Jesus came and he died on the cross. And when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says that God poured out his wrath upon Jesus. The punishment for the sins that you and I have ever committed, past, present, and future, that punishment was poured upon Christ and he took the punishment that we deserve. And he died on that cross, taking sin and death with him to the grave. But three days later, Jesus rose again, victorious over sin and death. And the Bible says that all who call upon Jesus and ask him to be our Savior and Lord, that in that moment, we are saved. And that no longer are we known by God because of our guilt and our sin and our shame, but we are perfect and holy because of our perfect and holy Savior.
Do you know this Jesus today? He can meet the greatest need you will ever have in your life. And Christ followers, if you've already asked him to be your Savior and Lord, he has already met the greatest need you will ever have. Friends, the question for us is, are you anxious and troubled today? And if you're anxious and troubled, I want to ask you a couple questions. First, do you know Jesus? Are you anxious and troubled because that great need in your life has never been met? Can I tell you again, that's a gift today that God's letting you be anxious about that. Let that fear, let that anxiety lead you to the cross of Calvary where Jesus has already met your greatest need. But I know that in this room there are tons of people who are like, oh man, I'm glad he's preaching about salvation, but I'm already saved. Are you anxious and troubled, Christ follower? If you're anxious and troubled today, here's the question I have for you. Do you believe that Jesus has met your greatest need? And because he's met your greatest need, does it shape every single part of your life? Or have you gotten things out of order? Are you living for the things of this world instead of his kingdom? It's so difficult for us to do. Some of you thought this was going to be an easy sermon when we started, didn't you? Like you see the face change like as the message goes on. And it's like, oh man, this hits us. But this is a good kind of hits us. Because this is the type of message that brings freedom. Real freedom. There is no need on this side of eternity that I have that is as great as the need that Jesus has already met in my life. Does that mean that I don't have any needs? No. I got two kids sick at the house right now. You know, I, I, you know how that is. My prayer life gets way better when I have sick kids. And you think that that's because I'm a good dad. It's like, Lord, don't let me get this sick. I'm too busy this week. <laughs> See, y'all thought I was a good dad. Now I'm just selfish, all right? Lord, a hedge of protection. It's got to be a big hedge, but Lord, you can do it. All right? It's not that it makes everything go away, but when they're in the right perspective, good days and bad days and everything in between, we know that King Jesus hasn't forgotten us, that he's with us. So here's the starting point. The very last verse of this text Jesus said, where your treasure is, there's your heart. So I want to ask you today, are you treasuring Christ above everything else? Is he your treasure today? If not, then the call is to let him become your treasure. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? We're going to have a time of response today. I'm going to ask you to respond however the Lord leads you today as we think about what it means to trust in him and rely on his provision in our lives. Again, if you're anxious and troubled, perhaps it's because that greatest need has never been met in your life. If that's you, I want to just ask you to come and pray. Pastor Bob and Pastor Brad will be here to receive people. I would love for you to come pray with them and tell them, I need to know what it means to know Jesus. But some of you in here again would say, I'm already there, but, but I've gotten things out of order in my life. As we sing this song, I'm going to invite you just right where you're at or come to the altar. If you need one of the pastors, they'd be glad to pray with you and just say, God, help me to trust in you. Help me to live a kingdom life. I truly believe that worry is a gift, <laughs> as odd as that sounds. 
I know for me, I've always confessed to you a couple times that I'm a worrier and that worry is something that I struggle with and anxiety. But I was reminded of Philippians chapter 4 where Paul writes, do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. I was reminded that every time that, that I have an inclination to worry, that it's an invitation that God is giving me to pray. That if you're a worrier in here, perhaps God has wired you to be a prayer warrior today. That when this anxiety, these worries come in, that it's a beautiful invitation from our Savior to just lift our hearts to Him, to call out to Him and ask for His help. Let's remember our King and His kingdom. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the challenge that it so clearly has given us today. Lord, we want to live in such a way that we honor and glorify you in all things. Let us be a kingdom people. God, I pray if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, that today they would come into that kingdom and join us. Lord, as we celebrate new life here in a few minutes and we do baptism, God, let, let the gospel as it's been presented through your word, let it be presented again through baptism and don't let anyone leave here without knowing what it means to have the greatest need in their life met through you. We thank you for what you're going to do in this time. 